At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is VSIN Bet Center as we welcome you back in on a Saturday night from downtown Las Vegas in the Circa Sportsbook Studios, a packed house here at Circa with the big boxing match going on right now as we speak. A lot of college football. On the late night card still underway. And oh, yeah, us, we're here. Jeff Parles giving the wave to the crowd. I'm Ben Wilson, Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. Greg Peterson experience coming up next at 1 a.m. Eastern, taking you till four on the East Coast. This, uh, this Crawford Porter boxing match, by the way, into the sixth round. It is, uh, it is not looking good for one side, Jeff, and it is the, the predictable side well, that is not looking good right now. Well, look, I, I will say this uh, from, from, from what I've been able to, to watch here on this match, I would. Guess Crawford probably winning this thing three rounds to two as they head to the end of the sixth. Uh, there's some other people that think Porter's ahead because Porter did have uh, won the, the 50-50 round, which I believe was round three. Uh, but look, uh, a lot of action. A lot of action. Fun boxing match so far. Halfway home, uh, just down I-15 at uh, Mandalay Bay here tonight. The Michelob Ultra Arena. Crawford closing anywhere from minus 700 to minus 1,000. Sean Porter, you could have gotten him as high as plus 690 behind us at Circa. Elsewhere in the 5-1 to one to 5.5-1 to one range. Heavily, heavy juice to the over, though, at 10.5 rounds. So that bears watching as well in the minus 250 range uh, right there. Okay, we'll keep you posted on that. Let's get back to the NFL previews. We'll talk some Survivor right now. We'll want to lead into that, Jeff, with a discussion on a couple of teams in the AFC South doing battle. We have seen this incredible run for the Tennessee Titans, having run this gauntlet as of late. So many games, and they win last week, do not cover as a three-point three favorite in a lot of spots after all of the, the stretch of wins for them as, as an underdog here. But now the roles change for Tennessee, who currently, as it stands right now, you see how they're the second most popular pick in the circuit survivor this week. As things stand, Tennessee would be your number one seed in the AFC, taking on a Houston team with a presumably now healthy Tyrod Taylor out of a bye week as they look to at least show more competitiveness than they did in their last game. The uh, the loss on the road at Miami. Ten-point line here. They're, it's interesting, Jeff, is some of the books here, everybody different, but at BetMGM, the highest the highest percentage of handle of any game this week has been on the Houston Texans. Houston Texans, yes. Okay. Which is kind of like, you know, we, we talk about this all the time of, all right, you bet a team based on a number, but then you have to reconcile that with, all right, are you actually betting that team? and Clearly on a number at ten and a half, a lot of a lot of respected money was saying, all right, let me grab let me grab Houston in the points. Down to ten. I understand the, the move there, Jeff. And it really the spot here is you've got Tennessee in a position that is not used to being in. They haven't really been that efficient with with the offense outside of with Derrick Henry out over the last two weeks now. As you see, look at some of the the advanced numbers on these two teams, one and eight Texans versus eight and two Titans. Are you still uh, are you laying it here? I mean, it's a 10-point spot for Tennessee. We've seen how bad Houston has been. It has not been a very profitable decision. 
trying to back Houston with these massive numbers this year. However, it's a new spot for Tennessee to be in. I'm curious what we're going to see out of this Titan team tomorrow, laying such a big number in what has to you have to think on, on surface, Jeff, be somewhat of a letdown spot for them. They've been great as underdogs this year, obviously, winning four straight against the elite of the league. They were a short favorite last week, didn't cover. Obviously, the game landed two. Uh, they were a seven-point favorite most of the week, even though it dipped to five and a half and close against the Jets, lost that game. They covered as a uh, as a five, four-and-a-half-point favorite in Jacksonville. Uh, look, I, Houston off the bye. Teams are five and nine against the number off the bye so far this year. Uh, excuse me, uh, five and 11, I should say, off the bye. Uh, the uh, Texans... Uh, are coached by a first-time head coach who has not shown much of a clue in David Coley. And the first-time head coach's teams have just gotten pulverized off the bye this year. So I'm a little bit concerned on that. But with that said, I'd only bet Houston here getting the 10, Ben. Uh, it's not the greatest of spots for Tennessee. And also, too, no Bud Dupree who was put on IR. That defense when Bud Dupree's been out there has been really good. When he hasn't been, that was when they really struggled in that three-week phase where they looked like, mm, is this team really any good? Really, this is the team that's the AFC South favorites? Uh, but in the end here, I expect Tennessee to win, but I would bet, I, if I were to bet this, I would only take the 10 with Houston. No issue for me playing Tennessee and Survivor, which, again, we'll discuss mm -hmm. that in a the larger picture in a moment, especially considering, when you mentioned the stretch where Tennessee, it is the rare 8-2 and two team that I think a lot of people still have in their disposal in Survivor because of the matchups they've had so far this year. And how on paper you just would not have taken them in a lot of selections. You, you mentioned the injuries, though, on the defensive side. It's not just Dupree this week for Tennessee. David Long out. Rashawn Evans, a couple of linebackers out. Janoris Jenkins, a cornerback out. And right guard Nate Davis is out. Last two weeks, in the two weeks without Derrick Henry so far, Jeff, 22nd in their early down success on offense over those last two weeks. I was, uh, we go back to the start of the year. I was a believer in Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback, at least giving Houston more value in the market than they were getting by, by bookmakers to start the season. And the first couple of years, I mean, in, in first halves, if you look at the first six quarters of the year before he got injured in week two, I mean, they were totally fine. They were 17th in early down success early. I kind of throw out what he did in that Miami game coming back. First game off of an injury, he looked incredibly rusty, made some really bad decisions in that game that the, that the Dolphins win. And off of a bye, Jeff Wall, you, you make the point that I think a lot of us would be kind of walking very carefully into a Houston play here. It's a contest play for me. Partly the, the spot we're talking about with a banged-up situation for Tennessee, it does feel like one of those just-get-through-it type games. I think Houston will play hard out of the bye. Rod Taylor's going to be able to do some things, especially having that one game back into full health under his belt. And as we've, we've discussed a lot with Houston, while they have not been good at all offensively, they're a top, top half of the league team defending the pass this year. They've basically been that way the whole year. So without much of a running game anymore right now for Tennessee, I think Houston will prevent them from just getting big plays on the passing game. And as a result, I think this is a one-score game. Having said that, I'm not going to hesitate throwing not, Tennessee and Survivor. That's my Survivor you're play. You're not going to race to the window to bet Houston either anyway. But, no, it's, but, it's not going to be an in-pocket play. Look, uh, again, for Circa Survivor, of course, the Titans are a Christmas team. So that's why I think even though you've had like, almost like 85% of the field still has Tennessee left going into this week, and you only saw a small fraction take Tennessee. Cleveland, of course, was the number one pick in Circus Survivor, and I think properly so, because this is the last time you're going to use Cleveland this year, Dev. Only, yeah, only 22%. It's funny, you know, you and Gil Alexander, our host of 
the numbers game uh, on the guessing line show on Monday. I mean, you guys had this discussion and the, the, uh, the original just reacting to all the results on Sunday thought was of the, you know, whatever, 173 entries remaining, like what, 100, the initial thought from Gil was like, what, 170 are going to be on Tennessee here? So it is a little bit, and I think part of this is the, the quarterback situation developing this week on the Cleveland side. And there was some thought earlier as well. Cleveland is another Christmas team, but they are at Green Bay. So not, not a spot using them would, there. Want to, not a spot you'd want to be using them. I, I, I just find it interesting that on the, the Tennessee standpoint, we have seen, like, remember last year, the Jets and Jaguars were such an automatic revolving door of teams you could bet against or play against in Survivor. Houston's really been the only team this year that, that actually fits that bill. And, I, like, to me, this is the week you use Tennessee, even though, like, I mean, they're eight and two. You're worried, you know, you're worried of maybe a cratering in the second half of the year without Derrick Henry. This is the spot, I think, to use him, Jeff. So, giving, I mean, I, I get the, the Christmas standpoint here. But I, this is the spot for me. I would use Tennessee every day. I Look, if you had Cleveland left, I would have used Cleveland still and, and hold back. Because, look, if the Browns can't beat Tim Boyle at I, home. What was the stat you found? Like, out? what are we doing here? If you're, if, <laughs> if, if the Browns, and look, who knows? Maybe Tim Boyle will surprise me and play well tomorrow. But we're talking about a guy who completed less than 50% of his passes and had a one-to-eight interception, touchdown interception rate in college. Like, we're talking about, by the collegiate stats, one of the worst quarterbacks ever to get a start in the NFL. I think Cleveland, if you had Cleveland left and you're Survivor and you still have you have time to submit your pick, you take the Browns here because you're not using them again the rest of the season because their schedule is brutal after this. How do you think the two people that took Baltimore and Survivor are feeling right now? <laughs> On the news that Lamar Jackson you know, might you not know, play tomorrow. You know, this kind of just shows how, how weird of a... Like, just when you get down to such limited entries, I mean, you started over 4,000, you're under 200 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, again, you have, you have Cleveland with 51% of the field with 88 entries. I mean, look, if they, there are a few on this. Like, you took the Eagles, good luck to you with that one entry on Philadelphia. You took Miami, even though, again, you think Miami will win the game, good luck to you. You take Carolina, good luck to very, you here. Yeah, like, there are a few entries in here. Like, eh, if you, there had to have been a better option left in your card than these ones. At the same time, though, you met with the limited field we're at now. We're at the point of the year where these discussions that they're not—I wouldn't say they're incredibly helpful. Just because if you have survived this long, the the array of teams uh, you I have mean, used to this you, point you've done great. If you're alive, that, still. like I can't really argue against any pick right now. And you know, it's it, it just it, to me the the variance on Survivor is not just avoiding. It's not to me. It's not Jeff. It's not avoiding picking the team that gets blown up every week. It's using the team that inevitably gets blown up in earlier spots in the season before they run into the landmines, if that makes any sense. Like, I used Dallas early against the Giants and would have certainly used them against the Broncos a few weeks later if I still had them. That was just one of those variant spots of me thinking, all right, I really like the spot for them, and it kept me alive. Now, I crashed out last week with Tampa Bay, and you know I'd done all this navigating, and it, you, know, you come down to it and you look at your cards and you're like, I had, I had two op- I had two legitimate options last week. Pittsburgh, which I did not trust at all, and Tampa. And a lot, Both I, lost. And you know what? Like I have no qualms with how that ended for me. Even though I, I, I navigated the hardest week, it seemed like, in week nine and week ten, uh, murdered me. So that, that, look, that's, last, the, that's the bottom line with this. Last discussion. week was almost as bad as, as, as the week before. And look here, here's the thing, Ben. You mentioned it. Like the Jets 
and the Jaguars are responsible for the two biggest disasters so far this year. And then Detroit, who hasn't even won a game, is responsible for the third one. Imagine going out on a tie. Man. Wouldn't be me. Not not so bad. I went out on Tampa. Yeah, completely uh, no What are you going to do? Spot like that. Uh, we will talk about Tampa, by the way. Uh, still to come. We have a few more games still to preview here on VEASAN Bet Center. This is Bet Center on VSN, the sports betting network. The VEASAN Black Friday offer is here right now when you sign up for our $99 midseason football special. You'll also receive a $20 credit to the VEASAN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry, this is a limited-time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe. There's a lot of cheers going on right now in the Circa Sportsbook. We're in the Circa Sportsbook studios with Jeff Farrells. I'm Ben Wilson. They are all watching the big fights. Crawford Porter in round 10. Uh, Jeff, what just happened? It's done. It's done. But Crawford's going to win uh, win by TKO, I believe. In round 10. In round 10. That means unders are going to cash. Wow. And in a fight where Sean Porter really did as well as you possibly could have drawn up for nine rounds. It just fell apart. Crawford got him twice in about 35 seconds, and that is that just down the road from here at Mandalay yeah. Bay. Got knocked him down once with about two minutes left in the round. You could just kind of tell right away, Jeff. I mean, Crawford just, he could sense blood in the water. Went for the kill immediately and, uh, and gets the TKO. They're embracing right now. A lot of money on the favorite, as is, as is common in these sorts of things, Jeff. So not a surprise there. Uh, but a lot of people also betting uh, betting the over here, the 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 prop, so to speak, of this going uh, Crawford by decision was only juiced at minus 120, 125, a very popular way to bet this, but it does not get there. Crawford by TKO instead, the under 10 and a half rounds, this goes out in round number 10. So uh, the big boxing match of the night just down the street from us at uh, the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay. It is over. And it allows us to get back to the NFL, Jeff. You know, we got six games left, and our bets as well, which we will get to at the end of the show here. Could have gotten, uh, could have got Crawford to win in the tenth by fourteen at fourteen oh. to one. <laughs> if you really try, what if you what, you took you, you paired an over with a? Uh, it's either going to be eleventh, twelve, or in the tenth. You could that would have been an interesting way to bet that fourteen to one. That's not bad, and the the embraces begin uh, there on on. Uh, on the Crawford side. Uh, all right, let's get back to the NFL where we do have a few games left to preview. Uh, discussing one of the early window games. It's a very tight line. Did not make the Circa Millions consensus. Uh, it is a game I, uh, I kind of like. I have teased it. I have not played in elsewhere in pocket, Jeff. The New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yet another week. Yet another week of steam on Philadelphia, Jeff. The, it has become well-documented. The quote-unquote wise guys, the Sharps, really do like Philadelphia in the market. They have pumped this lineup. And partly not just their love in general for Philadelphia, but the injury concerns on New Orleans with Alvin Kamara set to miss another game. It is uh, it is not good on the offensive line front as well for New Orleans. Teron Armstead, the left tackle, out. Ryan Ramchick, the right tackle, out. 
this Jeff anywhere now from two and a half or three in the market when it was basically Philadelphia minus one and a half uh, on Monday. The injury report was scary last week. If you were looking to bet New Orleans, you and I both back to them regardless, and it worked out in kind of a roundabout, weird, hold your, you know, hold your nose kind of fashion. Would you be going back to the well this week on New Orleans with, again, same injury concerns? I know what you're going to say, but I'm just setting you up for it. On the road against Philly. You going back to the well? Uh, more so than the New Orleans well. I'm going back to the fade the Philadelphia well. It didn't work last week. No, last week I didn't. I, last week I, I didn't play La- that game. Last week was the bizarre. I faded. It was the fade the Denver well taking the fade the Philadelphia yeah, well, no, it was, it, sub- superseding was, it. Yeah, that was a good. That was a non-play that last week. Actually, we had it in one of our contest. We had Philly in one of our contest okay. entries. Uh, if uh, that ridiculous play with the f- fumble, Darius Slay recovering it and returning yeah. it for a touchdown, and Teddy Bridgewater not giving an effort on trying to tackle him, flip that whole game. Uh, look, look for this one. New Orleans, uh, I, I there were some threes earlier in the day. I, I took a three with New Orleans. I would not be surprised if New Orleans wins this game outright either. Uh, they have been great against the run. And part of this Philadelphia offense resurgence, Ben, has beca- been because Jordan Howard has found the fountain of youth. Jordan Howard's been great the last few weeks, which makes absolutely no sense in 2021. And for Jalen Hurts, look, Jalen Hurts played four great quarters in a row. The second half against the Chargers, the first half against Denver. As good as I've ever seen Jalen Hurts play. And then he threw that horrible interception in the third quarter against Denver. Uh, Didn't really have to do much in that second half because the Eagle defense carried the load. With that said, you're dealing with a situation where Sean Payton is great as an underdog. You're dealing with a really good defense in New Orleans, which, look, New Orleans' defense played very well last week. The reason they lost that game more than anything was – Johnson P. couldn't I. make a kick. Roughing, and sorry. that ridiculous drive with the roughing and then a, a, a P.I. that I don't think was any good either. So I, I, New Orleans is still good to me. They're still a legitimate NFC playoff team. Philadelphia, I understand why people have pushed Philadelphia. They don't get on a plane the rest of the year. Their schedule is easy because they get Washington and the Giants four times between the two of them. They get the Jets. They get play Dallas when Dallas likely will have the NFC East wrapped up for a few weeks. and. And if they don't have the one seed to play for, we'll probably sit everyone. I don't see it, though. I, I don't see this move. I know Sharps have loved Philly all year. Mm-hmm. I'm on New Orleans. I think at two and a half, it's good. I think at two, it's good with New Orleans. I did not put this in the contest. Mostly on some, just like I did say away as well last week with some of the concerns offensively with the injuries for New Orleans. Did tease, you mentioned there were threes available. There's still a couple threes out there right now, but I did tease up. New Orleans earlier today with Seattle. Obviously, the Seattle number not existing now that that is flipped on the the Kyler Murray news coming out tonight that he is going to likely not play. Still technically a game-time decision, but uh, tease that up to nine with Seattle plus seven and a half. To me, Jeff, the, the, the pregame analysis on this game is the best evidence there is right now to support in-game betting because you have the matchup of the week in the NFL. This is, as you point out, New Orleans number one rush defense team in the league. They've been the best team on all four downs. They've been the best team on early downs defending the rush. In the meantime, you have Philadelphia. You look at their numbers on the rushing side of the ball offensively, fourth in DVOA, second in EPA per play, second in early downs. This is truly strength versus strength. And as much as, as you think it'll be, this will be New Orleans winning that battle, which very well may happen, and I tend to agree with you in that I think it'll be a tight one-score game as a result, hence teasing up New Orleans through those numbers of three and seven. 
from a side perspective pregame, I don't know what we're going to see. I, I mean, either outcome would not surprise me. As a result, this is where the, the idea of in-game betting comes into me. Because if New Orleans comes out, Jeff, and on the first two series of the game, you know, first two, three series, you see their rush defense really make like difficult on quarterback Jalen Hurts in that Philly offense, then it is a I'm in on, on New Orleans at that point play for me in-game. Probably, you know, assuming New Orleans doesn't come out of the gates firing on offense, I'm, I would be surprised if that happens. You probably would still get New Orleans in a, in a two-and-a-half to three-point underdog-type position, which I would be totally comfortable taking. That, like, that's my perspective on why like, in-game can be really, a really profitable way to go about it because you're instead of going in blindly and thinking, well, I think that defense is going to hold up well, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Well, if it, if it does hold up, you can still get in and, and still get some value, I think, in-game in a spot like this. So that's going to be my strategy for tomorrow. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Also, New Orleans in any teaser yeah. is good, too. To especially those two and a halfs up to eight and a right. half. So, uh, New Orleans, New Orleans again. Maybe Philly again. Philly has burned me a few, <laughs> yeah, times, a few times. But but look again. I I just think we were dealing with the better team with New Orleans, and we're getting points. And Philly also hasn't won a game at home either. As well, they have not. Uh, speaking of NFC East versus NFC South, got another one, but it's at the NFC South team, mm-hmm. Washington Football Team against Carolina. Cam Newton getting the start. To see his old friend, Ron Rivera, head coach for Washington. This is mostly three or either three heavily juiced on the Carolina side, Jeff, or three and a half juiced to the underdog here on Washington. A really hard spot to figure out the, on, on the handicap. Like, you really you think Carolina's worth laying the three and a half at home here first start for Cam Newton? How, how do you evaluate both of these teams coming off of very impressive wins as big, big underdogs last week. Yeah, I, the, both of these teams, I think, are a little overvalued because of what we saw last week. Washington, of course, winning outright at home against Tampa. Carolina just destroying Arizona on the road. Uh, look, I, I I would only bet Washington a three and a half. We did put it in the contest because we thought this would be a very limitedly utilized game. And Washington, I believe, came in as the eighth or ninth most used entry this week. I like the game theory. Uh, so I like. I, we went with that. Uh, Carolina, I don't think, should be laying three and a half at home with, that, with, with Cam, who, look, Cam had a touchdown run. Cam threw a touchdown pass on his first two snaps. Are we certain Cam Newton knows this offense 100%? Because it is not the same system while he was there all those years in Carolina. So take some time to learn the offense. Uh, I, I'm just curious to see also, too, with Washington – can they handle this Carolina defense? That's the one thing that I could see this game getting out of control in favor of Carolina is that that Carolina defense that has been great the whole year mm-hmm, puts right. together another big effort, Taylor which, is, which been, is the most logical path to a Carolina cover here. He's been known to turn the ball over. At times. Yeah, just a little. He was great last week, though. No, he was. I, look, you ask him to duplicate that 11-minute drive as I'm the watching best. with my survivor life on the line. I'm like, okay, do that again in 100 the, tries. I the, dare be, you. the best drive any team has had all season was that one. You are watching it's going to be really weird watching Cam Newton in a, like in a full start. It's going to be weird uh, there. All right, we still have four games to preview as well. Let's get to our plays for the week in the NFL, week number 11. We'll get to all of those on the other side right here on Visa and Bet This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network.
Get an extra helping of football with Madden Holiday Madness. Play free in three fantasy football contests and compete all Thanksgiving weekend for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash EA Madden now to get in on the action. EA Sports, it's in the game. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Always wanted to see Carl's. It's in the game. We're in the game. In the sports betting game. With Jeff Parles, I'm Ben Wilson. Final two segments on VSIN Bet Center before we pass the baton to the Greg Peterson experience, taking you from 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time, getting set for the Sunday in the National Football League. Still a few games for us, Jeff, to discuss right now. Mentioned uh, a couple of the NFC East versus NFC South battles in our last segment, Saints-Eagles, as well as Washington football team and the Carolina Panthers. Let's go to the late slate where we have an interesting AFC North-AFC West showdown and. You could tell early on this week, Jeff, two teams at their low point in the market. Books didn't really know what to do with this. It was a pick em between the Bengals and Raiders when it opens. Game being played just down the street from us here at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. But as the week has gone on, a little more money coming in on the Cincinnati side. We are seeing it now in the market. For the most part, up to one or one and a half on Cincy. Hard to know what to do in a spot like this. where you, you Because the general thought, right, Jeff, is... You buy at the lowest point with these NFL teams, especially teams like Cincinnati and Las Vegas, who are both over 500 right now at five and four. Of the teams you're going to buy low on, who is the team that fits that bill in the most proper form, if there is one in a game like this? I think the correct answer is I have no clue. <laughs> I kind of thought you were going there. In all honesty, though, I would only, I, I think, I, I think that this situation where you have Cincinnati coming off. Losing to Mike White and making Mike White actually look like he could be the future answer in New York and just getting destroyed by your in-state rival. Oh, and giving them 45 points when Cleveland's offense has been shaky at best. And then you get the Raiders where you, you may have just hit the situation where there's only so much you can deal with in one season uh, and they just hit that wall. Or last week could have been just the classic Gus Bradley scenario where Gus Bradley... Uh, is I'm trying to I'm trying to be polite here. Is not willing to adjust when the adjustments needed are known. We've Gus Bradley's responsible for the worst defensive playoff game plan I've ever seen against New England when he was the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. And you and I both and, had money on the Chargers uh, that game. That was that was one of those that you knew you were in trouble very quickly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but the but well last week you played the two high safeties against the Kansas City Chiefs. You that's how you slow them down. What did the Raiders do? Oh, we did the single high safety. And Mahomes was awesome last week. Even though I, we'll get to Kansas City in a second. Yeah. I think there's another reason why Kansas City was as good as it was, even more though, so than that. But in the end here, I would only take the home team in this scenario, and the home team is the Raiders. So I'm not betting this game. Earlier in the week, I was like, oh, I'll take the Raiders. And then as the week went along, it's like, do I really want to do this to myself? Do I really want to deal with this? Raiders actually, now that it's one and a half, might not be a terrible teaser play. To seven and a half. That right. might not be not, terrible. Yeah, not bad through the key numbers of three and seven. The thing with Cincinnati, while you mentioned some like the offensive issues being where they're at, it's really it's more been the defense the last couple of weeks. I don't know, still a spot where you're like you remain top ten in defensive rushing. And they've also been really good, especially on early downs, top five in that mark this year. And we what we saw, you know, the thing that was more worrisome to me, Jeff, on the Raiders side, and you could make the case that if Deshaun Jackson simply turns the correct way and scores a touchdown, would have made it a three-point game late in the third quarter. Could be a completely different conversation we're having right now. But with that Raiders offense, with how poor they were on third downs, being unable to extend drives, 
I, I see a game where they're facing a lot of third down and longs again because they just, they've been so one-dimensional the last couple of weeks. Think about the Raiders now, like 27th in, in their rush offense DVOA and, and 30th in rush offense EPA per play. That part of the, like everybody wants to talk about the Henry Ruggs departure, which has made a big difference from the ability to stretch the field for the Raiders. But not having any consistency on, on the running game, especially in those early downs, has made them really predictable. And to me, even though Cincinnati has had those struggles, as you mentioned, Jeff, feels like a spot where you come out of the bye and you get back to basics and you force the Raiders to beat you going up top, which they have not been able to, they've proven they've not been able to do since the, since the loss and, and, and the departure, the releasing of Henry Ruggs from the team. So you're making me pick. I go Cincinnati, but again, you're, to your point, this feels like a tight game, just the, from the feel standpoint. I could not possibly go back to the well on teasing the Raiders up again as a home dog since we know Went how that worked well out last, last week, Sunday. Ben. Great teaser week for me last week with my everything tied into either the Raiders or the Bucks. Well, or or teasers <laughs> last week where where the where the the nuts teaser that we that Adam Burke and I talked about last week on this program was the Raiders and the Browns and they were both absolutely shellacked. Yeah. Last well, at least week. you got put out of your misery by about you know one. I should say by it wasn't even one o'clock Pacific it, it time. Like, that thing was done by about eleven about about fifteen eleven Pacific time. Pacific. You were basically. You're basically done so there. Well, you mentioned the Chiefs, and this is going to be the most heavily bet game likely on the card for the Sunday uh, action, Dallas and Kansas City. I have to be honest, I'm a little surprised this did not make our Circa Millions consensus solely because these are two incredibly popular teams. I, I kind of expected each side to be in our consensus top five where a ton of people were either on Dallas or on Kansas City. Solely, especially on the Kansas City side, the fact that you're coming off a win where it felt like they finally started to get right, and they're laying less than the normal requisite three at home, only two and a half in just about every spot. And Dallas making it appear that that loss at home to Denver a couple weeks ago was a complete anomaly after they bounced back win by 40 at home against Atlanta this past week. So which of the two should it be, Jeff, or is it a, a combination of sorts here in a spot like this? So... Amari Cooper being out, I think is a. I I I, I think what Ver, what Matt Verderam said to us before actually was a really good point, where you take C.D. Lamb out of this game if you're Kansas City, you do the best that you can to take him out of the game, and you make Dallas dink and dunk you down the field, kind of like teams have done to Kansas City this year. I think that's a good strategy to do this for Dallas. At least slow them down a little bit, make them take time off the clock. And this is one of these weird ones where if you limit possessions, this kind of may look like that game last year at Lambeau where Minnesota and Green Bay legitimately scored every time they had the ball. That was what, 28-21? 28-22, I remember, 22. because I won the over 48, 48 you, and a half yes, because of the two-point conversion you did. from Green Bay. But look, I'm. we put this in a contest with Kansas City, uh, just a little more game theory. I'm just curious to see how much of last week was because of the Raiders' horrible game plan and how much of that was real from Kansas City. Because if they go out and their offense looks great against Dallas, who's their defense we know is boomer bust, then we're like, all right, now we can start buying into Kansas City again being a legitimate AFC championship and Super Bowl contender again like that we thought they were going into the year. The biggest thing, though, from last week, though, Ben, more than anything, Travis Kelsey looked like Travis Kelsey again. And if Travis Kelsey looks like Travis Kelsey the rest of this year, because he he looked like Gronk at the end of his career in New England for a majority of this year. And he looked spry. He looked like his back was healthy. He looked like his legs were healthy. And if you are getting a fully healthy and fully engaged Travis Kelsey, 
Kansas City's offense becomes elite again, even if Tyreek Hill isn't even at his best. Tyreek Hill, of course, had two touchdowns last week because Vegas decided not to cover him multiple times. But I'm very curious to see what we get out of Kansas City. I would not be surprised if Dallas wins this game outright. I either to, to, to throw that in there, but I think in the end, I think we're looking at Kansas City winning this game by a field goal. And if, if you made me pick one of those two outcomes, to me, it's it was last week being a one-off, precisely no, and, of what you and talked that's totally about possible. With, with, with the Gus Bradley defensive game plan for Las Vegas last week on Sunday night. But I, we've talked all year about, even with the struggles of Kansas City, the trepidation of teasing against them, even though in a spot like this, Dallas teasing them up two and a half to eight and a half, with the defensive struggles of Kansas City, even though they have started to shore things up a little bit over the past few weeks. I still don't really want to do it because of the variance at play here. It's still, of course, we talked about how we were scared off of doing this all year. And then last week was finally the, all right, this is the point. This is the spot where we we say, all right, this is it for Kansas City. This is the point where you go in against them and and tease a team up on on that defensive side of the Chiefs. And it certainly did not work out with the Raiders at home. If anything, the under 55 and a half, and it's actually as high as 56 and a half in some spots, that's kind of intriguing to me just because of the, the pace and the flow of this game. I realize on paper you have two teams who are top five in offensive efficiency and all that, and you've got a couple of offenses that, especially with Dallas, clicking on all cylinders right now, and Kansas City appears to have gotten things right with a Chiefs defense that's bottom third in the league and a Dallas defense that's been very – they've been able to force a lot of turnovers and create big plays on their own. but. It's one of those that on it's the highest total on the board by far. A lot of lot of money going to be on the over here, and I mean the sharps were on it early in the week. It got bet up pretty quickly. That that like twenty eight twenty four type of type of game. That that's one that I sort of anticipate happening. I don't know that I'm going to be brave enough. You know, have the stones to actually say I'm going to want a full game under ticket on this game, Jeff. But it's one that I could kind of sneakily going under here and, and you know, costing people a lot who just kind of pencil it in as, all right, shootout, let's go. Now, look, here, here's the thing. You could get a shootout, but if the possessions are limited, then you're in a little bit of a, in trouble there, regardless of how efficient these teams are. All right, look, again, the biggest thing for tomorrow. Does Mike McCarthy, one other big thing for tomorrow, I should say. Does Mike McCarthy do, a, do something ridiculous to cost Dallas something? Which is always a question. Last time he coached in, uh, in, at Arrowhead, I was there. Was that the uh, was that the infamous one loss? Yes, it was. <laughs> 2011. Let, it, let, let us never forget. Uh, when we come back, our best bets for the week and talk our final couple games Sunday, Monday night here on VEASAN Bet Center. This is Bet Center on VSN, the sports betting network. With the college basketball season now underway, now is the time to get your copy of our annual betting guide for only $10. This year's guide is everything you need to bet on the games all season long, including odds, trends, power ratings, and analysis for every team. Our team of experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, who's coming up next, Greg Peterson Experience. Matt Eumann and Tim Murray provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, and player awards. Sign up today and get your copy for only $9.99 at vcin.com slash subscribe. It is our final segment, VEASAN Bet Center. Before we welcome Greg Peterson to the Circa Sportsbook Studios, back with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. Two more games, Jeff, to discuss. Sunday Night Football. Steelers and Chargers. Questions throughout the week of who would be at quarterback on the Pittsburgh side as Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger set to play 
uh, cleared off the COVID list. And as a result, we have seen this line that was in some of these books, as we talked about earlier, slow to release the number. Not really sure where this would go, but it's for the most part, five and a half. There is, I see a couple of sixes still out there, including uh, right behind us uh, here at Circa. Pittsburgh and the Chargers. Sunday night football. There will be over under 35,000 Steeler fans in attendance. Probably a conservative. <laughs> yeah. Over. I, I, think the, I think the best bet on that is whatever prop I just laid out is, is the over. Lay that. Uh, as a result, and we, we see Pittsburgh now off of the infamous tie at home against Detroit. Chargers losing at home to Minnesota. I know you you and a number of other people at one point had the Chargers as your number one power-rated team in the NFL, Jeff. Are you is, are you ready to make your proclamation? That you were I mean, uh, they, were out of my, they were out of my top ten this week. So uh, defense, you're, you're ready to say that was a bit overzealous? No, it was. It was. Uh, they, look, there's a few things that are hurting the Chargers right now. The, the biggest thing that's hurting them is their defense is terrible. Uh, they, Seems they, like an issue. They can't they can't stop the run. I, I mean, they're they're giving up they've given up over 175 yards in six games already on the ground. Can't happen in this day. Can't it can't happen in this day and age in the NFL period. Can't happen in any age, but really can't happen now. The bigger issue, though, and this goes to uh, Joe Lombardi, their their offensive coordinator. They've turned Justin Herbert into a dink and dunk passer in these losses. There's the problem against New England. There's the problem last week against Minnesota. You got to open it up. Justin Herbert's at his best when he's taking deep shots, and they have wide receivers that are really good deep ball wide receivers. Mike Williams. I know Keenan Allen isn't the greatest, but he can go deep. Even the young guys. I mean, Josh Palmer's a guy you can you can take the top off a little bit as well. So, look, I would like to see a little more deep shots. Now you're dealing with a Pittsburgh defense where D.J. Watt isn't going to play. Minka Fitzpatrick isn't going to play. This is an opportunity to get your play calling right and take shots against a defense that normally is quite good, but it is without their two best defensive players this week. For Pittsburgh, you get Big Ben back. Um, that was really not a good offensive performance last week. Without him. The first drive was great after that. Rudolph was mediocre. And we kind of learned, like, even though Big Ben has his problems and is pretty average, to put it nicely at this point, why he's still the starter there. And if you're Pittsburgh, you're still squarely in this race. This is a massive game for both of these teams, playoff implication-wise. If you're the Chargers, you've got to keep matching Kansas City's wins if you're going to want a chance to win the division. And realistically, you got to beat Pittsburgh so you don't have a messy situation with tie breaks, even though, again, the tie kind of messes up the tie breaks. Uh, at six, I would take Pitt. Six and above, I would only take Pittsburgh. If, if five and a half and lower, I wouldn't touch this and game. Ben. Some of the contest, too. Six or six and a half. I lean Pittsburgh. Not a game I, I think I will end up playing. And you mentioned, too, offensively for the Chargers. At least one of the ways I try to evaluate how a team is developing, especially with a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, as much as we want to crown him as the next savior of NFL quarterbacks, Guy's only in his second year, and I really wanted to see, all right, how have they progressed this season? You know, So far in the year now, they're 18th in early down success, which is such a predictor and an indicator of general success offensively. Are you, are you getting yourself away from, from third and longs? Are you avoiding those, and are you moving the chains early, avoiding third downs altogether? So they're 13th in, in the NFL overall, Jeff, but over the last five weeks, they're just 20th. So it's kind of gone backwards a little bit for them, and, and it kind of supports exactly what you're saying. They have not been nearly as aggressive as they ought to be early, despite a much improved offensive line. You could argue as much as you want about how the defense has impacted that and the play calling, uh, but you, you know, and, and you would kind of think it would almost have the reverse effect of, well, if you have a defense who can't stop anybody on the ground, you're going to be more aggressive to make up for that, and they, it's been bizarre. They have kind of gone uh, the other way. 
And without a number of pieces defensively in this spot, Jeff, while you have Big, Big Ben back for Pittsburgh, they're going to try to run the ball, obviously, a lot. And yeah, without, so. uh, it's, you know, understatement of the week here, with no Drew Tranquil, Jerry Tillery, or Linval Joseph, and Joey Bosa remaining in that questionable camp, trying to come back from you know, on his COVID list there, it's an already poor defensive run unit that is going to be even further depleted. So I'm very tempted to take an under in a spot like this because I, this, again, feels like a kind of a low possession, Pittsburgh trying to play ball control tempo, a Charger team that is really not in any rhythm right now offensively. Having said all that, we know how Brandon Staley is very liberal with his fourth down go-for-it usage. Mm -hmm. And as a result, while the Chargers are a, a tough team to tease on or against because of the variance there, I think it's also a, you know, probably a tough spot to necessarily love and under. 47.5 kind of right in the middle of the pack as far as totals go. And you could easily see this being a spot where because of that variance, Chargers elect to get super aggressive, not punt in any scenarios where it is fourth and short in, in, in any spots in the field. And you could see this game go over. That wouldn't surprise me. That's the one area I would be interested in, but I'm not going to touch it. I don't think. Not going to go there. Um, anything for you on Monday night, by the way? No. No. Going to keep I, it simple. No. No. I, I just. 10 and a half or 11. Yeah. I, here, here's the deal. There's a, there's a few things. Um, the Giants coming off a bye. Even though they've been great in this world, they've been great as a road underdog. Covered in Kansas City, one outright in New Orleans. But there were seven in the New Orleans game. They were, I think they call it, what did they call it, 11 in the Kansas City game? Regardless, whatever it Ten, was, they, they covered all those numbers. Yeah. Tampa Bay won't have Antonio Brown. Uh, of course, there's uh, <laughs> there was an interesting report in the Tampa Bay Times earlier this week uh, on, on Antonio Brown, so he's not going to play. We expect to see Gronk back for Tampa Bay. Uh, this does line up to be a Tampa Bay smash spot where they just come out and pummel the Giants. But look, it's the one type, the one time that you actually want to bet the Giants as a as a touchdown or more road underdog and them covering. So this is a stay off. It's a really difficult game for me to handicap. Oh, someone who just lost Survivor with Tampa Bay last week, Jeff. You know what that means? Tampa by forty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I w- I was actually tempted to put the Giants in a contest play this week. I just couldn't get there because, like, every time I've seen enough out of the Giants that leads me to have the confidence to play them. Uh, the last time I did that was the game at home against the Rams, and they got absolutely pummeled, curb stomped in that game. So I will be staying yeah, away. If you made me pick a side, I think it would be the Giants, though, in a spot like this. Uh, you have a number of plays this week, Jeff. Let's get to those. I only have two. I, that's a number. That is a number. That is multiple. <laughs> it's a number of it is, it, it is two underdogs. <laughs> I like too many underdogs this week as a whole, and I've only bet two of them so far. I felt that way the last Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to be patient here. Once that three popped today and with New Orleans, I took it. Uh, there, there was no reason to not take that. Uh, that is good at two and a half. That is good as two. That is good as one and a half. I also like the money line as well with New Orleans. I think you, there are. Do it all. You can, you can take New Orleans realistically. You can take New Orleans at any point, basically. In that game, I think the wrong team is favored. And Indianapolis plus seven, I'll probably dive back in for seven and a half. That probably shows up tomorrow morning. I, I Look, I think it's a good matchup for Indianapolis. They should be able to run the ball against Buffalo. Uh, don't ask Wentz to do too much. Limit the possessions of the game. Make Josh Allen play well. Indy should be able to play this game within the touchdown. So we'll take the seven with Indianapolis. I like it. I like your place. Uh, I, we'll get to mine as well. The only in-pocket play I have, you mentioned everything on... Seattle, or on New Orleans, excuse me, and we've also mentioned Seattle. Again, this number not there anymore because of the uh, the news coming out from Adam Schefter about an hour and a half ago. 
expected that it will be Colt McCoy for a third straight week at quarterback for Arizona, even though Kyler Murray is yet to be ruled out. Still a game-time decision. I went ahead and teased Seattle earlier to plus 7.5 with the Saints plus 9. I'm also with you, at least in, in the contest, on that Colts play. It is a little jarring, though, to look at that list, Jeff, and see that I've got three AFC South underdogs all in my five contest plays. Texans plus 10, Colts plus 7, as well as the Jaguars plus 6.5. Going to gonna gonna really more a fade of San Francisco off a, off a Monday night game in a spot where, uh, without Elijah Mitchell at running back, they will have a difficult time moving the ball against a sneakily good run defense of Jacksonville. You mentioned everything you like on the Colts. I'm with you there, and and a Texans team coming off a bye with now a healthy Tyrod Taylor against a Titans team that has not been in this position as a large favorite at all recently, uh, and then with Green Bay the final uh, the final spot here, buy low at least from a market perspective on Green Bay in a spot like this. So, there we go. Those are the plays. Which which result are we going to come back here next week and be like, what in God's name was that? Tough card this week, guys. Tough card. Tough card. You, if, if Tim Boyle wins outright, that's definitely going to be... Tim uh, Boyle wins outright, I might just uh, be packing up the uh, packing up the tent for the rest of the day. I didn't even have the Browns on the best bets, but just the, the thought of Tim Boyle winning an NFL game. The weird world we're living that, in. For a team that's 0-8-1, no less, uh, Ben. You know, if we had a tie in that game, that would be really Yeah, get two, tie, two. get two ties. That's equivalent to one win, two ties, right? That's how that works. That's absolutely. <laughs> It'd only be what, still still eight back in the loss. Definitely. All right. For Jeff Parles, I'm Ben Wilson. Saying so long, the Greg Peterson experience is coming your way next right here on v the Sports Betting Network. 